Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. It's Easter Sunday. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Today our scripture is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 6. The angel is actually speaking to the women who had come to the empty tomb, and this angel makes a wonderful declaration. He says, He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man, be crucified, and the third day rise again. The angel declared the tomb was empty, Jesus was alive, and of course after that he appeared to Mary Magdalene, to Peter, to the 500 that proved that he actually did rise from the dead. This is Resurrection Sunday. We can be so thankful that we serve a God who is alive. He's active in our lives. He's active in this world. He's overseeing the affairs of men. He's taking care of the saints, those who are believers in Christ. He's meeting our needs. He's helping us to do his work, his will. What we are supposed to do is to serve him and to glorify and honor his name. And as we do that, we are a blessing to him and also our lives become fulfilled and we have joy and we have peace and we have happiness and we're able to do God's will here on earth. What a great privilege we have to be believers in Christ. Welcome again to Global Times, and this week we'll continue our interview with the St. Fars, our missionaries to Haiti. Let's pick it up on a discussion which is much on people's mind, and that's the unrest that you're facing in your country along with the physical damage from the earthquakes. Can you talk about what kind of challenges you face and how this affects your ministry? Um, thank you for this question. Uh, my wife and I, we came back to Haiti in August 2021. And it was the most difficult time in our lives. And uh, it is the most challenging time in the history of the country as well. So just graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary. And we felt the need to come because we know that we can have peace where God wants us to be. And we can have joy when we are doing what he wants us to do. So that's how we came back. 
Uh, but when we came, it was difficult for us to go even to the streets because people were being killed. As a matter of fact, people are still, still being killed. Time, there was a gas crisis. Even to go to the seminary to teach the word of God, it was a big challenge. So these things, they uh, prevented us in some ways to continue to do the ministry that God called us to do. I would say, in addition to that, we had uh, an electricity crisis as well. At home, we didn't have electricity, and the electricity of the states, you hardly see it. So these are some of the challenges that we were facing. And uh, we thank God that despite all of these things, we keep doing what he called us to do. One thing that I remember, it was on, in November, God has reminded me that he is still faithful and my Redeemer lives. And it is so encouraging to me to remember to to be able to remember about that, I mean, to remind about that. And then whenever I am facing something that I feel it's a big challenge, I have to remind myself that my Redeemer lives. And because of that, I can count to, to, for tomorrow. Yeah, so uh, there, there's another thing that is a big challenge right now. Even if you want to go to some places to preach the gospel, you cannot because there are some places that are very dangerous in the capital and they are kidnapping people a lot. And we have one of our pastors in the community. He is a well-known pastor. He is a singer as well. He's been kidnapped over 15 days and they have been entering in churches to kidnap people as well. And that pastor... The day they kidnapped him, my wife and I, we were in the area where they kidnapped him because we went to a church to preach. And it is when we came back in the afternoon, we heard on the news that he's been kidnapped on the same place where we went in the morning. So it's a very challenging situation for which we need a lot of. I'm so thankful because it doesn't um, prevent us to do what we can in our mm -hmm. corner and in our neighborhood. We host a Bible study with the girls, the teenagers, and thank God three of them became believers and we meet weekly with them and they have been so interested to, to be part of it. And we include Bible study and some cooking classes sometimes we do and we just encourage them because what is happening right now can be uh, so scared for them, but we just want to encourage them to keep believing because God has put them here for one reason, for a reason, so we have to continue to encourage them. Yeah. How, can, how can I share with the audience about your current need and what we can do to best support you in your physical need? I think... Um uh, one of the needs that we have right now is prayer. So we always have this need. So prayer, we would appreciate your prayers uh, for boldness, for the Lord's guidance and what we are presenting in class, the way that we are modeling the gospel, the way that we are motivating our students, the way that we are following the step of God so that they can follow us as we are following our master. And uh, another need is that we 
we are working in Haiti as missionaries and we don't have a lot of supporters. So this is something that we are praying about. We are trying to contact people in order to become the monthly partners in order to support us because we don't have a salary on the field, on the seminary where I'm working. I'm working right now as, a, as dean of students and I work as a full-time professor as well at the seminary. And the last thing is uh, for the studio to continue to record the broadcast. When we were in Dallas, we were able to record in our closet, but in Haiti, where we are living, there are some noise in the surrounding. Keep the noise out, or the thing that we can treat the room in order to make the sound good to be listened to. So these are some of the needs that we have right now and that we would appreciate for years for. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate the fact that you send in your support each month to help us to continue to stay on the airwaves. We're so thankful for people that send in prayer requests so that we can hear what's going on in your life, and we pray for those requests as they come to us, and we encourage you to continue to do that. This month, because it's Easter month, we're offering a wonderful pamphlet entitled The Easter Story. What this pamphlet does, it merges the accounts of Matthew and Luke, the major accounts of the Easter story, and it puts it in a chronological way of merging the two so that you have the one story from both texts. And it talks about the Last Supper, it talks about the trials, it talks about the crucifixion, talks about the death, talks about Christ rising from the dead on the third day. It's well illustrated with lots of pictures, beautiful pictures that sort of illustrate the text. And the thing that I thought was quite unique about this particular pamphlet is that it has an account of all the medical effects of Jesus' trauma and treatment on the cross, the different things that happened to him and how he suffered so much even before he got on the cross and then all the things that happened to him while he was on the cross. And so it's just a wonderful pamphlet that sort of talks about the Easter story. It's a wonderful thing to read as a, a believer in Christ and, and worship this great God who died and rose from the dead, who paid the penalty for our sin and who is alive today, seated at the right hand of God the Father. And it's very uplifting. It also can be given away as a wonderful track who are unbelievers because it has a wonderful uh, gospel message with it as well. I encourage you to write in and get your copy of the Easter story. And you can do that by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231.
Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is entitled, The Bible and Resurrection. I know you enjoy this message very much. Printed copies are available upon request. Let me greet you this happy resurrection morning with the words of the angel spoken to the women who came to the tomb. Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. Matthew 28. That was the happy scene 2,000 years ago when the joyous truth that sin and death had been conquered forever by our Lord Jesus Christ. He was dead, but is alive forevermore. I would like to talk with you for a few moments today on the theme, the Bible and the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is undoubtedly the most significant event in the history of mankind. Its effects are felt far beyond the first resurrection morning. The very fact that the resurrection holds such a weighty place in the Bible testifies to its great significance and importance. We take the Bible today and investigate this great triumphant truth. First, our investigation will reveal that the Old Testament predicted the resurrection of Christ. In Psalm 16, King David writes by inspiration of God's Holy Spirit and gives both his personal belief in resurrection as well as predicting the resurrection of Christ. David wrote, verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Therefore my heart is glad, my flesh also shall rest in hope. Here we have David's personal testimony to a belief in resurrection. He said his flesh would rest in hope. Then he goes on to say in verse 10, Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now this is a clear prophecy that God's holy one, that is Messiah, would not be in the grave long enough to see corruption. Jesus, Israel's Messiah, died on the cross for man's sins, but did not see corruption, for he was raised up the third day, just as the scriptures predicted. Peter, speaking to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, referred to this very psalm in Acts 2, when he said, David, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. So David predicted Christ's resurrection some 1,000 years before Christ's birth. Then the Old Testament illustrates or pictures Christ's resurrection in many ways. In Leviticus 14, for instance, Israel was given a very intriguing ceremony that was to take place whenever a leper recovered from the disease of leprosy. Verse 4 says that after a complete investigation by a priest, if the leper is indeed healed, then he, it says, that is the priest, shall command to take for him to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop 
and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. Verse 6, as for the living bird, he shall dip the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed. Verse 7, he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and he shall let the living bird loose into the open field. Now, this interesting ceremony concerning leprosy uh, teaches us a great deal. Leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. Israel was taught in different ways that cleansing from sin was only possible through the shedding of blood. The Passover lamb, for instance, was slain to deliver them from the bondage of Egypt. In this ceremony, a bird was slain and its blood sprinkled on the cured leper before he could enter back into the fellowship of God's people. How perfectly this speaks of Christ who suffered unto death on the cross to cleanse man of his sin and enable him to be restored into the fellowship with God. The second bird was then dipped in the blood of the slain bird and released to fly heavenward, not only totally free but bearing that precious sacrifice, that blood, up towards the heavens. So Christ not only died for our sins, but he rose again the third day that he might bear that precious blood that was shed for the sins of the world up heavenward to appear before God. Hebrews 9 and 24 says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. The first bird was slain, and so Christ died for our sins on the cross. But the second bird was freed, and rising up into the heavens, he bore the blood of the sacrifice heavenward. So Christ rose from the grave and bore that precious blood up into the sanctuary in heaven to testify forever that salvation is complete. It's available to all who confess their sins and seek cleansing in his atoning sacrifice. Israel was taught then, 1,400 years before the coming of Christ, that cleansing from sin can come only through death and resurrection. The feasts of Israel also picture Christ's death and resurrection. God commanded Israel to keep seven great feasts each year. The first was the Passover feast, where a lamb was slain, commemorating Israel's deliverance from Egypt's bondage. When the, the, uh, John the Baptist introduced Jesus to Israel, it was with the words, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. John 1, 29. Christ, at the very beginning of his ministry, identified with the Passover lamb, indicating he would die a sacrificial death. This was fulfilled on the cross, and Paul declares Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15. Then on the third day, the feast of firstfruits occurred. Leviticus 23 and 10 says that a priest was to take the first sheaf of harvest and wave it up from side to side, representing not only Israel, but all of the world. This pictures the resurrection and the future harvest that would come from Christ's resurrection. Christ at Passover died to pay for man's sin. 
but that was not the end. His death was like a seed placed in the ground, and it sprang up into a great sheaf of new life on the third day. The Apostle Paul must have been thinking of this when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 and 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. So in these and many other ways, death and resurrection was predicted in Scripture. The Messiah's death and resurrection was illustrated also in Scripture. Jonah, for instance, was a rebellious prophet. Instead of obeying God's word, he took a ship going in the opposite direction. God, as you know, sent a storm. Jonah was cast into the sea and swallowed by a great fish. Jonah repented and prayed for deliverance. And the third day, the fish got sick and cast him out on the land. Jonah not only learned obedience, but his miraculous deliverance became a picture or type of Christ. For Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah's bitter experience with the whale and his subsequent deliverance was used of God to illustrate Messiah's bitter death, but then his resurrection. God can even make the wrath of man to praise him. Messiah's death and resurrection is pictured throughout the Old Testament and is completely fulfilled in the New Testament. Christ's death and resurrection was clearly part then of God's wonderful plan of redemption for sinful man. What was uh, predicted and pictured in the Old Testament was completely fulfilled in the New. When Christ died, it seemed to the disciples that all was lost. They were totally discouraged, disheartened, and disillusioned. They were weak and fearful, ready to leave their former vision of serving the great Messiah, and then fading back into the woodwork, as it were, to their former occupations. But then Jesus appeared to them. They were stunned and unbelieving. They talked with him. They ate with him. They touched him and became totally convinced of his resurrection. This transformed them from weaklings into boldly facing even the murderers of Christ with their evil deeds. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and declared, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him, as ye yourselves know, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. This is surely a different Peter than the one who denied Jesus and forsook him. He is bold, clear, committed, and convincing. What caused the change? Well, it was the truth that Christ was alive. That changed him and all the early church as well. They were filled with joy. They were filled with the truth. And they were filled with the challenge of Jesus to go and tell until they did. When Rome insisted on their acceptance of its emperor as being God, that was an affront to them and blasphemy. They gladly laid down their lives for the sake of God's truth, that Christ alone was God. Friends, the transformation in the lives of the early believers and the transformation in the lives of every true believer since is one of the greatest proofs that Christ is alive.
In Christ, you can not only be forgiven, but you can find a power beyond anything human that can enable you to live a God-glorifying life. Jesus is alive and imparts new life, spiritual life, to those who come to him. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5. Christ's resurrection has serious consequences for us today. First, it shows there is a God, for only God could raise Christ from the dead. Then it shows that Christ's sacrifice for sin was totally sufficient and satisfactory to God, or he would never have raised him up from the dead. We can be assured today that salvation in Christ is acceptable to God, for he planned it and provided it. Then we can be sure of eternal life. For Christ died and is alive forevermore. He has promised, Because I live, ye shall live also. John 14 and 19. These gracious words can give us peace and an undying hope in a world riddled by sickness, sorrow, and death. Like the little bird dipped in blood, the believer in Christ will one day know the joy of freedom from sin and the happiness of soaring on the homeward journey to the Father's house. The hymn writer has eloquently described it. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyelids close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. God and his precious sacrifice will be sufficient to see us safely to our eternal home. Will you not trust him today as your personal Lord and Savior? I know the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you and trust that throughout this week that you can think about it and maybe apply some of the biblical truths to your own life. Here at Canada's National Bible, I'm really concerned about those who do listen to our broadcasts and particularly those who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. During this Easter season, we celebrate the work that Jesus did on the cross. And of course, this is the the work that allowed us to have salvation because our sins were paid for. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so you have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to realize that Jesus, but the whole goal of his life was to go to that cross. And on the cross, he bore our sins in his own body as he hung on a tree. He actually took our place and he paid for the sins that you deserve to pay for because of wrongdoing and the rebellion that you have in your own heart, that I have in my own heart. And that rebellion and those sins were put on Jesus Christ and he paid the penalty that I deserve for my own sin. He took that penalty for me and for you. And so he died and on the third day he rose again and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And because he's up there, he can hear our prayers. He loves us, he cares for us, he meets our needs. And if you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you'll become a new creation. Old things will pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's a scriptural truth. And so if you would bow your head and ask Jesus to come into your life and repent of your sins, tell him you're sorry for your sins, but Lord, that we need a savior. You need a savior. And when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, he will. 
and you'll be a new creature in Jesus Christ. Don't forget to, to write in and for your copy of the Easter story. To get your copy, you can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And we ask that you continue to pray for this broadcast, and we pray that you would write in. I want to thank you for your prayers, and I trust that God will continue to bless us together as we continue to study God's Word, as we continue to try to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. May the Lord bless you throughout this next week.